Procrastinating, a term most often used by the millennial generation, is a method of putting something off, delaying, or postponing something by taking part in the act of baking. Welcome to Procrastibaking, a place to talk about our baking obsessions and avoid everything else. Here with me today, I have my best friend, Rachel Rhodes from North Carolina, who has been through many baking adventures with me. And I'm here with Louisa Gonzalez, my best friend and baking partner in crime. During our podcast, we will share inspiration for your procrastibaking projects, tips for keeping clear minds despite messy kitchens, and plenty of chit-chat about baking news and our unpopular opinions on baking trends. Since this is procrastibaking podcast, it might be helpful to define exactly what procrastibaking is. In essence, it is using baking as a distraction from things we don't want to do or are trying to avoid, but really it could be unique to everyone. So Louisa, do you want to tell us how you procrastinate? Well, I procrastinate really just to avoid many things, chores at home, a lot of work stressors. I think I work, I work in a school with kids uh, in a mental health role. And so Sometimes my days are really fun and I get to do like cheerful and happy things. And then other days are not as great. Like I deal with student crises and um, the days can just get really heavy. So baking for me has been a form of self-care and a way to kind of clear my mind um, when I have really heavy days. And also just when I really don't want to do something at home, <laughs> like mostly laundry, I would say is my, my number one. So if I have to do the laundry or fold the laundry or put it away, I, instead of doing that, will just put it in my little basket in my corner and I will come up with something fun to make either off of my Pinterest or uh, if I've seen something on Instagram that looks really good. So yeah, so procrastinating for me is just a, a coping strategy, a way to kind of soothe myself when I need it. And now you tell me for you, Rachel, what is procrastinating? Um, a lot of the same, definitely everyday life stressors, a way to kind of avoid them. Um, but I've also noticed lately, if I have some kind of project, either at work or home, that requires a lot of mental work or planning before I can really get started, I've been avoiding that. And I usually have pretty decent, clear thoughts about that while I'm in the baking process. So I'm avoiding the physical part of it, but I am getting some of that mental labor done. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. It kind of helps like calm the rate that the thoughts are going in your head so you can just think more clearly, just organize them better. Right, a lot more focus. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really good. So yeah, for both of us, it's just kind of a fun way to detach from things that are overwhelming and have a little fun and make mistakes, a lot of making mistakes. But sometimes I think we surprise ourselves and things turn out really well, <laughs> which is good. Because this is a podcast about baking, so I would hope we're maybe kind of good at it. <laughs> we spend a lot of time at it, that's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. So, 
since this is our first episode, we should probably tell you about how we met and how we became friends. So Rachel, do you want to tell our friendship story? I would love to. We met the summer between our junior and senior year at a summer program, um, the governor's school summer program. I don't know the official name anymore, but something like that. (laughs) Um, We were (laughs) sweet mates and we just got to know each other really well. Um, For me, that summer was kind of like one of those movie magic summers. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I made some really good friends who are still my really good friends. And I think it just kind of catapulted me into thinking about what I wanted to do in the future. Because at that point, I had a vague idea that I wanted to go to college, but not really sure for what. And just a lot of kind of you know, the movies, you like 17, you finding yourself, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So one of the things I found was you. And Aww. I remember um, when we left, you had given us each a letter. And I think I still have it. I probably should have pulled it out for this. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you just talked about, you know, how, how great a summer had been and how you hoped we stayed friends. And I remember that because for a long time, I felt like I was always that person trying to keep people connected. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, I felt like, oh, we're friends and, you know, we'll keep being friends and things kind of just fizzled out because there wasn't that effort on both parts of it. So when I got that letter from you, I was like, yay, somebody is like reciprocating at the same level (laughs) that I am trying to be friends with them. So I felt that kind of stronger connection with you um, because of that letter. And since then, we went to college in the same town. And that is where I think we kind of started baking together. Yeah, that was where we finally had like a kitchen that didn't belong to our mothers that we could use. (laughs) (laughs) We could make as much mess as we wanted. Um, And I agree with you about like that summer being so fun. Um, Again, it was like the first time we were kind of left on our own and we were living in Charleston. So like in a beautiful city and had some freedom to go out and explore on our own. And yeah, it was just a really, a really special summer. Um, We really were living the dream. We didn't have jobs. We were in Charleston. We had classes, but they didn't count towards our GPA. (laughs) (laughs) And they were great classes led by like really good professors. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed that program and yeah, getting to meet our little group of people. Um, Shout out to any of you who are listening. (laughs) I hadn't thought about the letter in forever. So that's really sweet that you remembered it and still have it. And yeah, and that we've been together in the same city and then far apart. And it definitely does take effort to kind of keep friendships like that sustained. But I don't know. We've been able to do it pretty well. And I told your mom this when you were getting married. I don't know that I told you. Um, I wasn't able to be at Lou's wedding because I was in South Korea teaching English. Um, But we did put together kind of a scrapbook for her. And um, when we were doing it, I was messaging back and forth a lot with your mom trying to get everything ironed out. And I said, you know, I really wanted to do this because I hate that I can't be there. She's not just my friend. She's my sister. And your mom said, I know. And I was like, oh, you're making me Yeah. So Make me a little teary. I definitely yeah, feel like we are more than just friends. Yeah, I do too. It's a strong bond. Baking Partners in Crime. And I love that book. It's called Love Letters to Louisa. And um, it was really sweet. I know you reached out to all of my close friends and my parents and everybody got to write a little message to me. So very sweet. Um, yeah. And my mom, basically, you're like her other daughter. 
she she's adopted you into the family and I love being <laughs> the other daughter <laughs> her second daughter she loves it um yeah so that is our our beautiful magical friendship story It's time for our first segment, Pop Quiz, where we ask each other rapid-fire questions about baking topics. Um, I used to plan icebreakers as part of my job at work, so mm. I thought that would be a fun way for us to kind of get the conversation flowing. Yeah, that would be fun. So we've been asking some of our um, followers on Facebook and Instagram some Pop Quiz questions. So I'm going to ask you the same question, but in a rapid-fire style, so don't think about it. Just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Ooh. You know, this is kind of like a psychological test in a way like the the ink blot test like they show you the ink blot and you have to say the first thing that you think about I just hope I don't say anything weird okay I'm ready let's do it okay what is your favorite flavor uh salted caramel who taught you to bake Ooh. uh no one really I kind of taught myself how to bake because I'm not a good cook well you know I'm not a good cook and so when we had like family get togethers, I, I couldn't really contribute to any kind of like part of the meal. So I taught myself how to make sip, simple things, bake simple things, because that was what I felt I can contribute. And then I kind of just went from there. So yeah, I guess I'm self-taught. Self-taught. There you go. <clears throat> All right. Next question. Okay. What is the first you remember baking? Ooh. Probably um, sugar cookies for Christmas, like forever ago. That was like the first, one of the first things I was put in charge of was making them and, you know, leading the decorating party at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. So when you say forever ago, does that mean when you were a kid or when you were a young adult? I was probably like 11 or 12 the first time they let me do that. Which is wise, I think. I don't think I would have trusted myself around the oven any earlier than that. (laughs) That was a good idea. It sounds like there's a story in there somewhere. (laughs) Okay, next question. Do you clean as you go or all at once? Oh, all at once. I know this is like not the best thing to do, but I just am not, I get like overwhelmed easily with like the dishes. So I rather just put it to the side and forget about it. Another form of pro- procrastinating, I would say. Yeah, I'm like, I'll deal with it later. What is your go-to when someone asks you to bring a dessert? Usually some kind of cupcake or cookie, because those are pretty simple. And you can't go wrong with chocolate. Most of the time, I would say like 90% of the time, I will make something with chocolate in it. Good crowd pleaser. Definitely. Yeah. What do you listen to in the kitchen? Ooh, that's a good one. What do I listen to in the kitchen? Well, lately, this is sort of random, but my my brother-in-law, Daniel, shared this playlist that he made on Spotify. It's called Happy Morning Music. And it's funny because he said that he made it thinking that one day he would get up early and cook breakfast in his apartment and he would be listening to this music in the background. But he literally has never done that. He doesn't wake up early, first of all, and he doesn't cook. So he made this playlist for this dream that will never happen. So he shared it with us, though, and it is a lot of, like, really upbeat, soothing kind of songs. 
So lately I've been, I've been listening to that and trying to make use of the playlist because I know he never will. Sorry, Daniel. <laughs> well, maybe you can share that link in our show notes. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. I don't think he'll mind that I share his thing because he'll get more hits. So you're welcome, Daniel. <laughs> um, last question. Do you prefer lengthy procrastinating projects with multiple steps or simple familiar ones? Oh, okay. This is also a good one because I think I tend to stick to things that are safe for me. So I would say for the most part, I stick to things that are familiar that I've made before and that I know I will be successful at. But one of my baking goals is to sort of step out of my comfort zones because I think that's something that you do pretty well, Rachel. You're open to trying new things or mixing flavors in really interesting ways. Um, and you're kind of just open to seeing how it turns out. But for me, I kind of tend to not want to do that because I'm worried I'm going to mess things up. But I think I would like to push myself to be a little bit more adventurous with that. Try things that are trickier, but maybe could be successful if I just attempted it. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. we are sort of opposites in that aspect. Yeah, for sure. I think you definitely are more creative when it comes to trying new things and putting together, especially with the flavors, putting together flavors that I wouldn't expect, but a lot of times it doesn't work out. So it's like a personal baking goal. Yeah. That's a good yeah. goal to have. Ooh. Okay. So I kind of want to ask you some of these questions too. Okay. Okay. Sure. So the one I'm really curious about is who taught you had to bake because you come from a baking family. That would be my mom. Um, we uh, would always make Christmas packages for the um, neighbors when I was a kid. So I remember standing with her in the kitchen as we did that, making um, Buckeyes and different things. And that's a tradition that I've continued on. Um, I now bake packages for my neighbors at Christmas. Um, it gives me a way to try different things and to kind of um, share some Christmas cheer. Yeah, that's really sweet, too, because I feel like people don't do that anymore. The It's like a very, um, it's very sweet and traditional, I think, to like make baked goods and go meet your neighbors and bring them something, which is really, yeah, it's really very excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now it's good. And I mean, like, it's better than keeping it all in your house, I guess, to eat. Absolutely. I, yeah. I feel kind of sad because our neighbors here don't talk to us. I don't know. It's like this weird unspoken thing here in LA like nobody talks to anybody if they're like a stranger to you so we've been in our apartment here for a year and we're just now starting to get to know our neighbors but I feel kind of jealous because you can take something to them and they probably don't think it's weird I feel like if I went downstairs and offered them a plate of cookies it'd be like oh I never want to talk to her again <laughs> they'd probably like be so off-put that I would never want to try that again. So I think that's really sweet that you live in like a neighborhood where people want that. They want that kind of connection with, especially with baked goods. Yeah, I definitely love our neighborhood. And some of our best neighbors are actually from LA. Um, oh, that's cool. So I always thing when you say that because they bring me um, baked goods all the time. Oh, that's sweet. Maybe they were looking for a little bit of a different lifestyle. Yeah, maybe a different kind of connection for sure. Okay, so Rachel, tell me what are your favorite flavors in baking? Definitely chocolate. Chocolate is my number one. Um, not white chocolate, but milk chocolate or dark chocolate, anything. And then um, like you, I also like salted caramel. I didn't used to like caramel. And then I tried it as the salted caramel version, and I love it. Something about that salty and sweet really yes. just works for me. 
the best. Um, cool. And now I'm very curious about this. Tell me what you like to listen to when you're baking. Um, so if I'm not listening to 80s country, I have the TV on in the background. Sometimes it's the Food Network. Sometimes it's Disney. Um, my husband doesn't like to watch the animated movies. So if I'm in, if I'm in the kitchen and I have the house to myself, I usually put that on in the background so that I can watch something that I've been wanting to see um, and take advantage of that time where he's not going to mind um, what's on the TV and um, mm-hmm. be able to bake at the same time. Yeah, that's really sweet. I love also having Disney. Um, I'll play like Disney instrumental music or yeah, same playing. I usually do it when I'm like working at home. I'll pop a Disney movie on in the background um, to watch. Is there like a favorite Disney movie that you like to put on? Um, no, usually I go with something different every time. Um, or I watch something like that I really loved as a kid and haven't seen since. Um, gotcha. And I don't know that it's Disney, but one of my favorites was Fern Gully. So sometimes I'll put that on. I have never seen Fern Gully. Really? Um, yeah, like ever. I feel like that's one of those things. You know, like, how did I make it this far in life without seeing Because <laughs> <laughs> everybody right. talks about it. Um, should I watch? I guess so. You like it. I should check it out. Yeah, it was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. Is that, is Fern Gully the one where, like, people get sick and die? That's not right. That's a different movie. No, they're, like, destroying the planet. So they have to save the planet. I've heard someone oh. say it was, like, an early version of Avatar. I don't know. I haven't seen Avatar. Okay, I'll check that out. Um, I think I know the answer to this one, just knowing you. But do you clean up step by step or at the very yeah. end? At the very end. Yeah. Um, my sister says it's in our blood, um, but my mom does it and she does it. We save everything for the end and then do it all at once. <laughs> yeah, I kind of guessed that's what you were going to say. That is why we are friends. When we bake together, yeah. it's like double the mess. Yes, it's like our kitchen blew up. <laughs> with like spilt flour on the floor that the dogs lick up yes they're handy vacuum cleaners they are yeah dora has been exposed to a lot of baking ingredients and a lot of time even if it's like flour i'm like you're not even going to enjoy that but she doesn't want to risk giving up the opportunity to eat something that might be amazing so it's convenient they to have the same way <laughs> and she got sprinkles earlier today lucky girl yeah, we spilled on the floor and she was all over them <laughs> No, yeah, the dogs are super, they're handy. They're like our sous chefs. Does that count? Do bakers have sous chefs? I don't think so. No, but I think we must. Yeah. Um, Let's see, what else do I want to ask you? Oh, what is your go-to when you need to bring a dessert to something? Um, I agree with you, usually something chocolate. I'm not going to disappoint anyone. I don't think it's chocolate. Yeah. but beyond that, usually chocolate chip cookies, they're easy. I love them. So even if no one else does, I get to bring the leftovers home. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad problem to have. Yeah. And if I'm planning ahead, I've got dough in the freezer and can just um, pop them on a tray and bake them. Oh, you know what? That's another thing that, yeah, that you do pretty well that I think I should improve on too. Having things handy I feel like that's maybe a southern thing too like you're used to people popping by maybe not expecting them so you might want to have something ready to like pop in the oven that's a good point and my sister always has a a cake on the counter she doesn't call it this but I've heard people call it counter cake um sitting there ready to go wow that's impressive that's like next level of hosting I'm not I'm not there yet someday no (laughs) 
Let's see. Okay. So now I want to know what is your claim to fame in terms of baking? Like, what are you most known for? Like, what do people often request for you to make? Um, my first instinct was to tell you nothing because I like to use um, the invitation to bring something as an excuse to try something new. But now that I think about it, um, I have made a cake that you challenged me to make one time. Um, I think the challenge was to make a layer cake with different flavors in it. So I made a tri- what I call the triple threat. One layer was peanut butter, one layer was banana, and one layer was chocolate um, cake. And then it had chocolate frosting all over it and then bananas in between the layers on top of the frosting. Oh, amazing. And it was really good. And my husband took it to work with him. And that place he worked at declared me baking queen. <laughs> so I would say I love it. <laughs> that's awesome. We need to get you a sash so you can wear baking yes, queen. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for our next segment called sweet and lows where we discuss our baking highlights and low spots for our recent baking projects rachel why don't you start us off i'd love to i definitely have a sweet oh that's good my church recently had a soup and chili cooking competition and we provided drinks and desserts for the people coming to taste and vote on their favorite chili that way it was more of a fellowship opportunity and not just a contest so I participated in the dessert providing. I provided some chocolate chip cookies. And um, I typically use um, New York Times recipe for chocolate chip cookies. They're really good. They're really big. And um, we had someone come up and want to vote for my cookies, even though they weren't part of the contest. Oh, that's really so sweet. That was, so that was my week for, um, well, about two weeks ago. Um, but my low, I want to save because um, it involves our baking challenge for this episode. So I'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. So my sweet and low is also directly related to our baking challenge for today. Uh, so my sweet, my highlight was that my baking project um, was good. Like the final result was really good. And my husband Raul took my baked goods to a Dungeons and Dragons meetup. And he actually took a video of his friends reacting to the treats. So and they were all they seemed pleased with it. So it's always nice when you make something new and it turns out the way that you want. So that was definitely my my sweet Um, feedback. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really nice because usually I just send things and, you know, kind of hope for the best. But it was good that he took a little reaction video. And we'll see if maybe we can upload that to uh, social media. I think that would be fun. And so my low is about some ingredient confusion that I had making my recipe. And this is something that happens to me quite a bit. I, I think it comes from the fact that I... I'm often distracted while I'm mixing things, um, which I need to get better at. It's like a form of mindfulness, I think. So what, and I'm also that person that, you know, looks at a recipe um, or looks at, you know, the back of the box and I toss it in the trash. And then I realize that I don't remember anything. So I have to like fish it out of the trash several times, even though I felt confident that I knew it. So this is also what happened to me. I think I referenced the, the recipe I felt confident and then 
when I was mixing the dry ingredients, I totally confused the amount that I needed for the baking powder and the salt. And so obviously the salt was supposed to be um, a smaller amount and it ended up being like over a teaspoon of salt. And it was, and so I tossed it in and then I immediately panicked and I was like, oh my God, and all of the ingredients are the same color. So it's hard to distinguish like where I tossed the salt in. So I sort of just tried to remember where I put it in. I hadn't mixed it yet. Thank goodness. So, and I was just spooning out what I thought was maybe like the part where I put the salt in. Um, and I was freaking out. I thought it was going to turn out super salty, but it didn't. So I guess it's a, it's a small low. I do that a lot. Like the one that I remember is when I mixed up the powdered sugar and the flour when I tried to make cookies once. And then they melted into the entire Yeah, I told you. They do melt. Awful. They melted and it was awful. So that's like my, I don't know, that's like part of my baking personality is confusing things, which is not good. But thankfully, the end result was fine. Like it ended up tasting okay. I managed to fish out most of the salt. So crisis averted. Yeah, it's always good when, when you can salvage and make the most of it. So yeah, okay, so tell me yours. So mine is kind of um, related, not in mixing up ingredients, but deciding to just wing it. <laughs> um, and I do this a lot, and this is something I want to work on is winging it less. <laughs> uh, I think like I've seen that on TV or I read the recipe about this. I think I can just do it from, from memory or just tweak this recipe a little bit to fit that. Yeah. And most of it doesn't work. I was... I had to turn one cookie recipe into another cookie recipe just by making small tweaks in the way I handled the dough, not actually the composition of the dough. Oh, so what what ended up happening? Um, they were edible. They just weren't <laughs> cute. Well, you know what? That's I was going that's to- a win. It was edible, so that's step one, I think. <laughs> no one complained. So okay, well that's good. So not a again, not like a huge crisis, just something to work on, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 And just a reminder that I need to wing it a little bit. <laughs> Since we're getting around it, do you want to go ahead and talk about our challenge? Yeah, I was going to say, we've already mentioned, they're both related to what we made. So yeah, so let's talk about what we did. So in honor of this being our first episode, and that this show is a celebration of our love of baking and our friendship, we decided it would only be appropriate to highlight something that is both an ingredient we love and part of a dynamic duo. So we chose peanut butter, and who can have peanut butter without its best mate jelly? This pair of ingredients has been friends for much longer than we have. In fact, the first recipe for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich appeared in 1901, and the duo's popularity continued to skyrocket thanks to the sandwich being a highlight of the American soldier's ration menu. Ew. Have you ever used a recipe for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Um, never. So <laughs> this is exciting to, to get to put it in a baking form. It was fun. So again, I kept it kind of classic. And I did a vanilla cupcake with a grape jelly filling. And then I topped it with a peanut butter frosting. And it turned out really well. Uh, this was the first time that I had ever used sour cream in the batter. Okay. It actually, I was a little skeptical, but it actually made it taste richer and it was pretty moist. So I was, 
I really liked the way that that helped the batter. By far, the best part was the frosting. The recipe that I used, and I'll have to find the website where I got it from, um, was one that I had used previously with a different bake. It was like a peanut butter, a chocolate cupcake with this peanut butter frosting and Reese's pieces on top. It was really good. So I kept that peanut butter frosting recipe from that um, baking experience because I really loved it. And that was by far the best part of the cupcake. And then I used grape jelly. And to decorate it, it was funny. I wanted to do like a jelly drizzle, but I tried it and it looked awful. So instead, I just did like a little dollop of grape jelly right on the top. Um, I think it was successful. I was very pleased. That sounds delicious. Yeah. So I want to hear what you made. Yes. Um, I made, I tried to make <laughs> peanut butter and jelly something. Okay. So I tried making just, you know, the classic peanut butter cookie that has like the fork marks on it. I tried using that dough and just shaping it into a thumbprint cookie and then putting the jelly in the center. Oh. And they went into the oven. They looked really cute. And they came out of the oven and they were completely flat. Oh, no. Did you um, take a picture before they went in the oven? I did. Okay, good. Yes, I'll show you that. I've been looking cute in a picture of them looking. <laughs> oh, no. So why okay so this is what you were saying about using the dough differently yes okay looking for a peanut butter thumbprint cookie recipe I just thought oh we'll just use the peanut butter cookie dough and make thumbprints and it wasn't the right consistency for that it didn't hold the shape that I put it in it just baked up like a regular cookie oh no so then with the jelly what did you do did you just spread it on top or so I before I baked it I put the jelly in the center so that it would bake. Oh, that's right. Cause you're making it like a thumbprint. Okay. And so then it was just, it ended up being flat with the jelly there. Top, yeah. <laughs> well, but they tasted good. They did taste good. Yeah. yeah. I think we'll probably be saying that a lot, but it tasted good. I think I find myself saying that a lot. Like when it doesn't look, but it <laughs> when it didn't look great, but people ate it and people said it tasted good. So that's a win. So you use grape jelly. Is that what you use when you make a PB&J? Yes. I mean, I haven't honestly had a PB&J in a long time. But for the most part, I don't know. I just think that's classic to me. There was a period when I went through, do you remember like an, an apple flavored jelly? Yeah. Yeah. That was big and made apple and peanut butter jelly. Things. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I used to use apple jelly all the time. But the classic one is by far the grape jelly. That's the one that I love the most. And I use strawberry because strawberry is my favorite jelly flavor. Ooh, I did not know that about you, Rachel. Strawberry jelly. Yes. I will make a grape jelly sandwich, but I would prefer to have one with strawberry. Interesting. Okay. Well, I bet the color looked nice, like the strawberry on the on the peanut butter cookie. Yeah, the, that kind of like shiny red kind of pop. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, for sure. Good job. Okay, so we'll have to post, we'll definitely post pictures of what we made so that everyone can see what we're talking about. That'll be good.
Okay, so this next segment is called our 2020 baking list, and it is a list of baking goals that Rachel and I put together for things we want to accomplish this year. Rachel, do you want to start off by sharing items that you contributed to our list? Absolutely. Um, The first thing I chose was chocolate babka. I've just been seeing recipes for it everywhere the last couple of years, and every time I see it, I say, ooh, I'm going to learn how to make that, and I haven't. So I've declared this is the chocolate babka year. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, could you maybe tell us what chocolate babka is? Because I don't think I even know what that is. That is an excellent question. Um, I don't know that has, I think it has yeast in it, but it is definitely a bread. And I think there's a Seinfeld episode about it too. <laughs> uh, I guess Raul would probably know the Seinfeld episode. Let's ask him about that. <laughs> Um, but I also want to add um, wheat bread and pita bread to the list because I want to get more in a routine of making the bread that we eat. I think those are two things that would be um, good to start with and that we would eat pretty regularly. I also added a couple different cheesecakes to the list. Um, I've been wanting for a while to kind of understand the difference in the different types of cheesecakes. And I, okay, I saw Bake From Scratch magazine recently released a comparison article about the different types of cheesecake. So I'm going to use that as my guide and I'm going to use my brother-in-law as my taste tester because cheesecake is his favorite dessert. Awesome. Yeah. Cheesecake is also one um, that I don't know too much about. I've only attempted to make it maybe once or twice. So that'll be really fun to have something specific to, to kind of work on with that. I think so too. And I've only made it a handful of times as well, but I really like to eat it too. Good. Okay. Anything else on your list? I've got a couple more things on there, but Um, Two things that I wanted to mention are divinity and cheese cookies, which are totally not related, except for the fact that I recently had really good examples of both. And when I do that, my brain says, ooh, I need to learn how to make this. That's (laughs) why those got added to my list. I had some really good like cheese sablés at Christmas. And then my former boss made really good divinity, which I had never had before. So I want to try that as well. Could you tell me what divinity is? That sounds magical. I don't know technically what it is, but it seems kind of meringue-ish. Okay. It seems like a mixture between marshmallow and meringue. It's got a crispy outside, but the inside is chewing. Interesting. Okay. That'll be cool. So what about you? What's on your list? So on my list, and we definitely have some overlap in terms of types of things we want to try, but a lot of the things on my list are Latin-inspired baking challenges. Uh, One specifically is Tres Leches, which is something that we have a lot with family gatherings, and I've only tried to make once, and it just didn't turn out the way I wanted to. So I really want to learn how to make that and perfect that because I think that's one that I could bring a lot to parties and things like that. Um, And a new one for me is a cookie called alfajores, which my husband Raul actually introduced me to because they are popular in South America. And when he studied abroad in Argentina, he had a lot of them. And essentially they are, I believe, a cornstarch cookie with dulce de leche filling. Um, And I've had them before. We found a little Argentinian bakery here in LA that we really like that had them um, and they're really good. So I would love to learn how to make them myself. They sound delicious. I love Dolce de Leche, anything. Yeah, there's, I mean, me too. That's like another, if I could pick like a third favorite <clears throat> filling, I think, or flavor, it would definitely be Dulce de Leche, which just works really well with a lot of things. 
And I also put several types of breads on there, learning how to make sourdough, um, pumpernickel bread. I've really never experimented much with bread, so I think that would be uh, really good to try. Uh, I really want to also try things in my cast iron pan. I once had a peach cobbler in a little mini cast iron that was amazing. So just experimenting more with baking with cast iron. And I've mentioned this to you before, Rachel, but the pie crust recipe, I just have not. Yes. So I haven't been lucky finding one that I think is versatile enough for me to use with different projects. Um, I tend to just find ones that are very crumbly. And so this year, I really want to find the the perfect pie crust recipe that I can use over and over. Yes, that's also (laughs) on my list. And I want to, once we find it, make the pie completely from scratch, make the fruit filling, make the pie crust, and then we have a completely homemade pie. That's the goal. Yes. Yeah, for sure. That would be amazing. So it'll be fun to revisit the list um, as we go along and talk about things that we've made and share pictures and um, tips that we've learned. Yes. And at some point, too, I think we're going to open up for listeners to bake along with us. We'll announce what we're going to do ahead of time so that we can um, get your feedback on how the recipes worked for you as well. Yes, absolutely. Because I think that's one of the most fun parts of being um, having a baking community is getting to share tips and techniques and celebrate baking successes so if anybody has made things um, based off of our list or has been inspired to try something based off what we put on our list we would love to see it and hear how it turned out for you thank you for listening to this episode of procrastinating we hope we've provided some food for thought for your next procrastinating project as always the links and photos discussed in this episode can be found in our show notes procrastinate with us on facebook and insta while we wait for our next episode to rise Thanks for joining us today. I'm Luisa Gonzalez. And I'm Rachel Rhodes. And until next time, stay sweet. This has been Procrastibaking. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a good review. You can also subscribe to us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many more. You can also subscribe to our RSS feed directly from our website at ProcrastibakingPodcast.com. Also, feel free to follow us and give us your feedback on social media, on Instagram at at ProcrastibakingPodcast, and Facebook at Facebook.com slash ProcrastibakingPodcast. If you'd like to share your Procrastibaking stories and pictures with us, you can send an email to procrastibaking at yahoo.com. Procrastibaking is hosted and created by Rachel Rhodes and Luisa Gonzalez, produced and edited by Raul Ceballos, with music by Alex Walker-Smith, and show artwork by Rob Demers. Thank you.